And we're back for another season of the Make Life Work podcast with me, Cy Jobling. Over the past year, I've been speaking to people from around tech about how they try to find a balance with work, life and any side projects. The previous season, also known as the Home Edition, was a slightly different format, focused mostly on people coping through the COVID-19 lockdown. This season, we're still trying to adjust, so conversation is very likely to continue around the pandemic situation, but we'll also try to share how we all move forward. My first guest of season four is brand designer from the UK, Liz Elcote. Liz is a fellow podcaster, parent, and enthusiastic creative, with plenty to share about her career, her challenges, and community efforts. So let's get into it. How are you doing, Liz? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. It's Friday, which is always good. I know. I'm feeling I love Friday. So um, yeah, thanks for joining me, um, and thanks for being the first guest on the next the series four. It's great to have you doing this. Oh no, I'm setting the setting the standard for the rest of the show. That's a bit of pressure. <laughs> the worst part is we're starting with the good, right? <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's wonderful to have you involved. Uh, it's been a bit of a break over the summer, so I'm I'm just keen to get back into it. And as someone who is a podcaster themselves, I think it might help me get back into it a little bit as well. Oh gosh, I'm very out of practice though. I I haven't done a season since the beginning of the year, so so uh, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling a bit like a newbie at all this again as well. We're just both blowing off the cobwebs and getting back into it. It's good. Yeah, definitely. Um, so as I said in the introduction, you're like a brand designer. Does that capture mm-hmm. your role as you like to sell yourself? And can you tell a little, the audience a little bit about what that means to you? Okay, well, I think um, there's a real, yeah, there's a bit of a discussion at the moment around what sort of the term branding means. And I have a lot of clients who come to me initially thinking that I'm a logo designer or like an identity designer and what I do more is strategy like I do do that but only as a part of the uh, whole project overall so I'm very much like creating strategy for startups and for businesses that perhaps need a a refresh and a rebrand and how that's going to move forward and that entails like looking at their values mission statements um, tone of voice their you know their, their narrative and everything so yeah, I don't know. Like, I think there's, um, I think the br- term brand is just so misused all the time that, um, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. It needs to be looked at, but unfortunately, it's ubiquitous everywhere. It's used for so many different things. So I'm not sure it'll be changed that easily. I just have to like explain every time I meet somebody what it is that I do. You're right. I mean, I, I, it's mis, it's abused. It's misunderstood, um, and everyone's mm. got there's a bit of ambiguity around it. So everyone got their own interpretation, but. I think you made a fair point there Mm. about it's not just logos, Mm. as a lot of people think it is. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this role and what Mm. journey you took to get into brand design? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a digital designer for like 15 years. Um, I have been for like 15 years. And I was being asked to do... So my, my role when I worked for an agency before was I was like a senior design exec which basically entailed overseeing whole projects so from um the sort of like branding identity side through to the digital um like website so it was really big projects and I, I got to work with like Great Ormond Street and the NSPCC and some really big clients which I really enjoyed 
Um, and then when I went freelance, I was doing a lot of digital design work to start off with. So, you know, website design. Um, and then like, as it moved more into like UI design and stuff, that kind of thing. But I was like, also being asked to do a lot of like branding without people really knowing that they were asking for that. So, you know, it would be like, can you create an identity as well? Can we, how are we going to talk about this? And how are we going to talk about us? And I then um, sort of was like, I'm, I'm really enjoying this and it might be a, an area I want to move into. So I I booked some sessions with Paul Boag um, just as a mentor to kind of talk about where I was with my career and where I wanted to go with it. And he was so helpful. And, you know, I thoroughly recommend going to see an expert and, you know, not necessarily in the field that you want to go into, but just in running a creative business if you're ever in that situation and he um he basically looked through all the work that I did looked at the work I enjoyed and was like I think this would be an area great area for you to move into so naively I was like oh that's what I'm gonna be now then um but it's taken I would say it's taken two years to really become a brand designer it's taken another two years become really confident within that field and really understand what it is that I do. Um, and it was a real tough first two years because work just dropped off, which was really scary. Was that <laughs> like a mark of your career change or was it something to do with the industry that it was a bit difficult time? I think it was a difficult time in that we were sort of going through Brexit and there was big political upheaval as well. And I think people were keeping stuff in-house to a degree. Um, I also think that brand is becoming more and more valued again now. Now it's becoming more and more understood. And I think it was just changing careers, you know, just being a specialist in one thing for such a long time and then becoming like a student again um, within a, another thing. Because it's so different mm. to UI design. I still did UI design to kind of keep the bills paid and stuff. But, you know, you have to literally remarket yourself. You have to really... I had so much to learn as well. It's taken me four years to learn. I will always be learning because... There's so much to learn. I've, I've, you know, had some really great designers, like brand designers in my life who have sort of really helped me with that journey, like mm. Naomi Atkinson, who I know she's been a guest on this podcast, I think. Hopefully she? coming back this series as well. Brilliant, yep. brilliant. Yeah, she's just been amazing. And um, Chiara Aliotta, who's an um, Italian designer based out of Greece, mm -hmm. who um, she's just such a lovely person, has been so helpful and kind with her advice. Yeah, so it's been a, a steep learning curve. The last two years have become, it's become my proper business now. It's mm. what I do fully and I feel super confident, particularly in the last year going forward with that now. So it has been, when, if people say like they want to change specialisms, I'm, it's not straightforward, it's not easy. And I have a lot of people contact me now going, um, I just really want to get into brand design. What do I need to do now? And I'm like, um, yeah, prepare for nil money for like two years. And like, I can't tell you a shortcut to becoming a brand designer. You have to go and read all the books, make all the mistakes, talk to all the people. Um, yeah. yeah, and really understand it as a concept, which is quite hard in itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we spoke to uh, Rachel Chilcock about her brand evolution in one of the, in the yeah. first series, and she's taken that as an opportunity to understand her brand and use her exercises mm -hmm. to build her brand as well. So I feel like you've, yeah, you've yeah. kind of done that yourself 
um, understanding why, understanding what you want to achieve and making mm. that part of your brand, but also knowing it's not straightforward at all. No one knows this stuff. There's no silver bullet. No. Um, so when someone says, I want to be a digital designer or brand designer, how do I do it? Mm. Good luck. You know, it's, this is... Where do you start? I mean, I think it was easier, like, when I first started years ago being, like, getting into web design and stuff. It was, it was you know, CSS and HTML had just become a thing. And so it was so much easier. And now it's like, well, what are the many different roles that you might want to do within digital design? You know, it's just, there's a myriad of different things. Totally. So it's so much more complicated now. And it's the same with brand design. It's just so many different sort of paths within that. It's not just one straightforward role. You're right. I mean, you, you've mentioned that you've been on this journey for the last sort of four or five years. Um, and you've worked with some quite, not specialists, but you've niched into like Great Ormond Street, NSPCC, sort of child health I guess in a way oh well that was with my previous um that was when I worked for an agency oh right okay so um yeah that was through my agency work um prior to becoming self-employed so yeah I worked with some I I also like work with the Brits and stuff like that within that role so um there was a lot of like um we did like um some great drama schools within that role as well because I think when you've done one you go on and you tend to then be picked up by other schools and stuff so we did some really exciting things but I tend to now work with a lot of startups and a lot of digital agencies. Like, I don't really know what the word is for them now, but I guess they'd have been development agencies before, but I think now they're probably just called digital agencies. So maybe they've focused a lot on their clients and stuff, but they've never really created a brand for themselves. Um, they might have like knocked up a logo when they first started. So I do tend to work with a lot of clients like that as well. Like, um, I guess they're software and digital agencies who create amazing products and give brilliant service, but they've never bothered to do it themselves, but they do kind of understand the value of it. So really enjoy working with those companies because they understand the processes already behind it. And yeah, I work with a lot of startups really. Are there any specific industries you like working with specifically or just like to keep your areas broad? No, to be honest, I, I, a lot of software and digital agencies now just because of other companies that I've worked with. So they then, uh, recommend me to other people. I don't really do any marketing, which is terrible. And I need to, I'm not very good at it. I'm not very good at that pushing myself forward in that way so most of my clients are word of mouth in fact all of my clients are word of mouth and often the best way though yeah yeah so really they tend to come from the same backgrounds a lot so Mm. yeah um with the startups they they can be quite wide ranging i've worked with sort of a beauty company um or skincare company i should say very beauty company makes it sound far less high-end than it actually is it's an amazing skincare company um and um yeah just you know similar similar kind of companies to that but also digital startups so tend to be in the tech world really something you understand though right yeah i really enjoy it i really enjoy those people Mm. they're nerds like me so (laughs) tend to get on really well that's cool Nice. So um, what's the plan with a career? Because we talked earlier in the year about you potentially going into the project management sort of roles. Are you still exploring options? Yeah, that was something I was, I'm really still really interested in. Um, I think a lot, I mean, I do project management now. That is what I, yeah. you know, every project I do is project management. And that's getting more so with the bigger projects that I take on. Um, so I, I think I was mildly tempted to go back into the agency life for a while. Um, but 
I think really recently quite a lot has changed within I'm now working as a brand like strategist like um, head of brand strategy for a, a national company contracted with them as well as doing my own work so that's really exciting really enjoyable they're just launching a new company within their company so I'm heading up that and I head up their kind of marketing direction and stuff so that's really exciting and just a lot of really exciting projects have come in this year so I think now I'm just sort of like developing that project management side of things and doing a little bit of training but keeping that within the work that I do at the moment that's good yeah it's probably the best way as well because you're applying it to what you actually yeah. know rather than going where the hell do I start like anything where do I start focus on something you understand yeah definitely it would have been again it would have been a massive change in my mm. career to go and do that yeah I think it would have been quite a challenge for me personally to go back into agency work as well whereas now I feel like I'm just being challenged so much with these new roles it's really exciting and stuff so got a very full life <laughs> very full we'll talk a bit more about like family life and stuff like that in a moment yeah um but i completely relate to the whole career change because mm. I, I used to be a front-end developer and then transitioned into this sort of leader role project manager mm. all that sort of stuff yeah um it's not easy because i had to do both no. for a while and you mm. can't do both you gotta pick one or stick with it yeah but i'm getting better now i think and i've let go of the the, the professional skills like development design and yeah. the project or coordination side and people side. I like what I do now. I speak to someone earlier about this. I like what I do. I just miss a little bit of the hands-on, hence why I do these side projects. Absolutely. So, And I bet when you do get a chance to do that sometimes, it's like so lovely and so like yeah. enjoyable to do. I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Like I don't really like code much now, but when I do, like I'm just about to for a little project that I'm doing for myself, oh, it's just so joyful. Yeah. Like, I really the enjoy it. The satisfaction that you've done um, that and it works. You're yeah. Like, oh, yes, I can see. And people are using it even better. Yeah. And I think, like, I don't know if you find the same, but with me, like, a lot of my work isn't really tangible now. It's sort of, um, there's end products, obviously, and there's sort of, you know, end results. But I, I love, like, the, the like, you put in code and this comes out. That's such a, for someone who's kind of got my kind of mentality, I find that so satisfying. Um, <laughs> no, but it, get it. Yeah, because I think guess as well with project management, it's sort of you're managing people, you're managing a lot of different things, aren't you? So it's more than just things anymore. It's people as well, yeah. and emotions and yeah, all the absolutely. other factors you can't even think consider as part of a, a thing. Yeah, definitely. It's good though. So let me know if you need any help with that sort of transition. Cause I'm quite happy to coach. And as you mentioned, like Paul Boag and all the other guys that you've been working Thank with, you. it's you can get a lot more value from reaching out and asking questions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, is it something that you generally do yourself? Like, do you give your skills and knowledge out to others as well? Like, give it back? Um, that's quite a difficult question to answer because I think I used to feel that I, I should and that it was part of being a generous and kind person. But people um, sort of take advantage of that to a degree. And I find now, like I mentioned before, I get people messaging me going, hi, um, how, how can I be a brand designer? And um, like, can you be a shortcut to being a brand designer? And like, I've worked really hard to find all the knowledge. And my friend is a therapist, like really amazing therapist and has developed some really sort of um, particular techniques to what she does. Mm. And people do the same to her and we talk about it. They're like, I just want to do what you do. So can you just quickly show me how to do that? And I'm like, 
Sorry, no. People are lazy, though, right? You know, I've, yeah. I've as, a, as a generation thing, I don't know if it's me and being an older man, let's say, um, I've noticed people that are getting into work professionally now expect so much more up front rather than investing mm-hmm. that time. Whereas well, from my generation, I was like, no, you have to bust the gut to get where you want to be. You know, it's not just a thing mm-hmm. that you can pick up. Absolutely. Um, and I'm very happy to share what I know, but I have finite mm-hmm. amount of time being a family man as well. So I will yeah. give what I can and we could talk about the community stuff that we do later on. But that's how I tend to share my skills and knowledge. Yeah, I guess I'm probably not very nice in that respect. <laughs> then I just I just like um, really nice than you realise. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just think um, I'm really happy to coach you. If you want me to coach you, I'll coach you. But I'm just not going to spend an hour and a half writing an email to you to tell you all the things that you should be researching and learning yourself about stuff. And the only way you're going to really learn this stuff is to just do it, take on projects, make mistakes, you know, make your own way of doing things. Um, I've I've actually stopped asking for help these days because I got to the point where I was like, I just need to trust my gut instinct and go with what I believe and do it my way. And (laughs) I think there's a song in there somewhere. Um, And so I now just listen to my gut instinct because I think, I think as... This, I'm not going to turn this into a sexist rant, but I think as men, you're told to trust your gut instincts and to believe in yourselves and believe in your knowledge and stuff. And I think women are often taught to look outside of themselves and find answers from other people. And maybe, will you mentor me? Will you tell me this? Well, you know, I'm not explaining it very well, but I think men are like very good at going, this is my gut instinct, I'm going to go with it. Whereas women are constantly looking for outside reassurance and stuff. And I'm trying to stop doing that as I get older and just go, I know what I'm doing and I can do this the way I want to do it. Although I, I, I hear what you're saying now and I, understand, I think what you're trying to get at is men have a lot more confidence maybe in what they're doing and they're quite, yeah, not bullish, but like, right, I'm doing this, I'm getting on with it. Whereas women are a lot more thoughtful and they go, well, actually, do I need to consider this, this and this and this and this? And it becomes a lot more effort to do that. Whereas a man just goes, no, I'm doing it this way and I'll find out later. But I don't think... I, I don't think it's a gender thing, but I think there is a natural inclination between the two. That's what you're trying to get at. Yeah, but I think that's because men are taught to kind of, you know, push themselves forward and be confident from a young age and be manly and be masculine. And I think there's real problems around that. I think that be manly is awful, but you're right. Yeah, be manly, be masculine, you know. And I think that leads to real problems as well. And I think women are taught to like, don't don't push yourself forward, don't be loud, don't be bossy. You know, be the peacemaker, be the find out everybody's point of view and then find it something that suits everybody. So I think it's a bit of that. And that's kind of our role within families as well. But I do think that, you know, we need to really be grasping the nettle and pushing ourselves forward. Totally. And, you know, believing in our own abilities. Yeah, I agree. And I think doing stuff like this, like you do with your podcast, actually, you know, getting your name out there, getting more women vocally mm. out there as well to put their, get their message across and really to kind of flatten the playground a little bit so everyone's on the same mm. wavelength. I think we should move on to that topic, actually. So Yeah, definitely. You, you, you've made a podcast. You've been doing it for <laughs> about a year or so now. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what motivated that and what you, what you want to do with it as well? Um, it's very against what I... I'm not really the sort of person who likes putting themselves out there and um I get asked to speak a lot and I very rarely speak very rare um sometimes I do but 
I think it was a conversation I had with Paul and he was like, yeah, I think you should do a podcast. And I'm like, oh, God, no, I don't think so. He would say that, though. <laughs> yeah, he was like, just do it and just give it a go because what have you got to lose? You're in control, which, again, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. So it was just a case of I want to talk to people about branding. I want to talk to the best people I possibly can about branding because that's going to you know, help my knowledge as well. I want to help my clients understand what branding is as well. So it's really just a drive to sort of put more knowledge out there and and really explore like all the different factors of branding and how that sort of manifests in different ways, which I've tried to do with the sort of various guests I've had on. So yeah, that was a really driving force. And the first season when I got that behind me, I was like so happy. I just like, it just felt, yeah, it was a big step forward for me personally doing that. Huge. And it's a great podcast. I've listened to quite a few of the episodes, not all of them, I'll, I'll be honest now, but I, I love the way that people are so open. You know, Gavin Strange's yeah. episode was fascinating. I love that guy anyway. Oh, yeah. But um got a great range of guests on there. And I think actually, going back to your point earlier about people asking, how do I get into brand design? You could just point them at the podcast and say, go and listen to these and find out how they do it. Yeah, definitely. Like, Go and listen to these and go and read 10 million books, (laughs) you know, and read all these articles, but also like make it fit to what you want to do as well, which I think is kind of what I do. Make it a passion. If you don't enjoy it, it's not really Mm. a career, is it? It's just a job. Yeah. And I think that was the, it's kind of what I was getting at earlier really was like the first couple of years, it was like trying to... I was floundering around a bit, trying to like asking people, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do... And really, you know, it's conversations with other women doing the same role as me going, well, I, this is how I do it, but you do it how you want to do it. And, you know, that was, that was so helpful. And after that, it came much easier and I enjoyed it a lot more. Mm. And also I just understood it more. The more you do it, the more you understand it. So it's much easier to talk about it. Exactly. So back on the podcast, you did the first season. Um, was that a, a conscious decision to time box it to a season or did you just realise I need to cut it for a bit? Yeah, yeah no, I mean, it was it was definitely a conscious decision. Good. I can't, I really would love to do, I was dreaming about this the other day again, I'd love to do one every fortnight. And I look at other podcasts who are so prolific, but I, there's just no way I can do it. I've just run off my feet as it is already. So I, um, yeah, it, it's got to be 12 a year. And for me, that is a real push as well, because yeah. I'm just starting to plan second season of this year and yeah. it's already like, oh my God, so much work. <laughs> totally agree. I mean, this one, I committed to doing, I didn't commit to any time boxing at the start and then I realised, yeah, five is probably mm. about right for me per, yeah. per season. And then the second one came up, got that in and then COVID happened. So we'll talk about it in a moment. COVID has just thrown everyone mm. out this year. You know, I've had no downtime, no me time. Yeah. Because I've got the family around and I've had to re- work out when is the best time to get back into this? Because I need it. It makes me feel good. Mm. I enjoy it and I feel the satisfaction of doing it. But I need to allow everyone else the mm. time because obviously you're a parent. You need to work yeah. out where this fits. Mm. So, yeah, what, what, what are you going to try and do then this year? Are you going to get back into it or is it next year? What's yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to try and get back into it. I've got a really ambitious list of guests this year. Awesome. So that's something I really enjoy as well. I'm just amazed with the people that if you ask to come on the show, they come on the show. You know, it's just like, wow, if you ask people, they they actually want to do it. It's amazing. That was a big, big shock for me. 
Um, my first guest was Mike Coos, who is like one of the best designers in the world ever. Yeah. So I was like, wow, that was such a result to have him. And like, I've had so many amazing designers like John Hicks and stuff on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've got a, a list of dream people. So I'm just going to go and ask them. And then what happens is I then they say, yeah, and I go ah, and I get really scared. And then really petrified, and then we do the recording, and it's great. And then I'm like, phew, until I start getting scared over the next one. So it's quite an anxiety-making experience for me. It's an emotional experience, I agree. I, I, I mm. love this part. I love recording the conversations and having them. I stress through the edits, and I stress through the release, because that's the bit mm. where I'm like, this can go horribly wrong. But, you know, it's... Mm. Yeah, I agree. So you're going to get back into you got your your hot list of guests, and mm. hopefully by the end of this year we'll get something. Or is it when it happens? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely by the end of this year. Okay. Yeah, I just I've just started um, doing a degree as well, so well, that's kind of like on the side. So it's going to have to fit around that. It's going to have to fit around my other role that I do as the head of brand, and it's going to have to fit around stuff. So <laughs> it'll get done. Okay, You'll then. get in there. We'll work it out. Tell us about yeah. this degree then. That's uh, that's another one that you, it's worth covering. Well, I'm just doing like psychology degree. So it's just something that's always interested me. I think it will really help with work as well and fascinates me. I'm really fascinated by the human condition. Pretentious. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, just learning what makes people tick. So I start that at the end of September. So... Right, so is that a two-year, three-year, four-year psychology? It's a long course normally, isn't it? That's three-year, yeah. Three right. Three years, so... Excellent. Yeah, so I just like to really over-set <laughs> myself things to do, so... Take on all the yeah. things, and somehow I'll make it work. Yeah, I just really like to make it as stressful as possible. Oh, you, but how do you... I mean, so, the, yeah. this podcast is all about balance, right? It's trying to find... There's no right or wrong way, but how do you... Yeah compartmentalize these different sort of roles that you've got in your life do you have a a way yeah I I don't I'm really bad at that no I'm um, really really bad at that something I'm learning uh, to do a lot um, and I'm terrible at it as I was saying to you before we started recording I had a stressful week last week and that impacts on every other aspect of my life if it's work-wise I don't sleep and I get very anxious and stuff so I'm pretty bad at it I think what I always think what I need is spare time and then when I have it I don't really know what to do with myself so I'm someone who needs to really structure their life very good at planning and planning out stuff and lists just list 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 that's the only way I can deal with stuff and having to give myself a little bit of leeway because when you're working with other people they often change their plans and stuff and things but yeah just sort of but I don't, I don't compartmentalise. I'm terrible at that. I don't think women are very good at compartmentalising. I think their lives overlap a lot. I think men are quite good at it. But I, think I don't think many people are good at compartmentalising. I'm no. not, generally. I'm trying to. And I, yeah. I, so one of the little tricks I found, I was using TickTick to like plan out my day, generally. Mm. It's like a to-do yeah. app. And last year, I mixed work with home life and everything else in there. So there was a lot of overlap. But it allowed me to realise, wow, I've got loads to do today whatever mm. remit is in this year nope just personal in tick tick and i'm going to put all my work yeah. stuff in a work list so they don't yeah. mix and i can turn one off yeah. and turn one on and all that sort of stuff it's not yeah. perfect but it helps i definitely like i definitely go with that as well like i've got i've definitely got like home home stuff away from work stuff i couldn't combine the two that would yeah. be my brain would explode <laughs> mind blown yeah imagine. and i also have to like i really good at letting myself like 
not giving myself a hard time if I like every week I haven't achieved all the stuff I want to achieve I never will do because I overset I'm a perfectionist I overset my expectations so but I'm really good at recognizing that and going it's fine you'll get it done another time good. you've probably done more than most people so it's don't best worry way, man. <laughs> exactly you've got something done well done especially in covid mode yeah you've done nothing over the last six months exactly um you mentioned you're a your mommy or mom however you want to say it how do you find time for that with all these things well, my daughter's grown up now, so she's at uni, so um, she's away. Helps. Yeah, she's away. I've only got one child, um, so that helps as well. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, she's she's uh, very self-sufficient now. So, Ideal. Um, I find it, like, the transition between, like, her being home, so she's been home loads, obviously, this summer, which I love, mm. and I just want to be mum and just be with her all the time, and work definitely, like is a pain in the bum when that when she's yeah. home uh and then the transition of her going back to uni is quite a hard one for me to sort of get my head around because i'm suddenly like oh 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 i'm not mum anymore do I do? well i am mum obviously yeah. i'm always mum but like oh it's sort of i have to restructure my days a lot then and get back to it quite quickly because i i can feel really lost for like a week or so so must be hard to let go though and like being a parent, seeing them, I mean, this week, everyone's going back to school. And I think a lot of parents mm. are going, wow, the house is empty. Mm. What do I do with myself now? Definitely. I mean, we're really close. I brought her up on my own and um, we're super close. So, you know, I don't ever feel like when she goes back to uni, like she phones me, like we speak every day, like probably twice a day and stuff. So, oh, perfect. Um, and I, I go and see her a lot. She's at Sussex Uni, so I go down to Brighton and see her a lot and I don't know it's like I think as parents when they're little you're like oh I dream for the day when they're gone and I have the house to myself and then when they're gone you're like oh my purpose in life <laughs> come back exactly I think we're in that mode at the moment because my lad's 14 nearly and we're like should we have another or should we just look forward to that quiet time mm. when they're mm. I think a lot of people do that around that age. Yeah. yeah. My friend, when I, when Jasmine was about 14, my best mate said to me, do not have another baby. <laughs> he was like, I know it's tempting. I know you've got all the feelings, but he's yeah. like, don't do it because you know, you've done a great job. You've got one, you've done a great job. She's wonderful. And you, and it's going to be really starting all over again. And you've forgotten what that was like. I was like, yes, you're right. You're so right. <laughs> it's quite nice, though. I, I think we can impart wisdom in, in our mode now. When people say, oh, oh God, yeah. I'm a new dad or a new mom. Like, yeah. Right then, let me tell you what I can tell you now. Enjoy yeah. it because <laughs> it won't last forever. Just a huge exactly. relief that you're not a new dad or mum yeah oh mate it's good i held my my neighbor's baby i held the other day she came home and i was just taking a pass around her house she's like oh, can you hold the baby i need to nip to the loo we all know that situation and i was like with pleasure so i was like holding her little girl who's like seven months old and i was like oh my god so cute but also i was like oh i couldn't the responsibility now oh my god it would be dreadful we're the similar we, our neighbors have literally just had a baby last month and i'm, I'm seriously broody I'm, i just want to grab and have a good munch yeah um, but then you can go That's very cute. i can pass you back now and go and back to my life yeah. this is okay i can cope with this absolutely yeah yeah definitely and all my cousins like because i had jasmine when i was super young um so no none of my friends had children none of my family had children and um, all my cousins, um, like my stepsisters, are all having babies now. Yeah. So I've got all these lovely babies in my family, uh, which is so nice. You can enjoy that. that. You can be like super, you know, 
hands-on auntie or whatever, but... I want to say that, Auntie Liz. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go to sleep now. (laughs) It's great. And you can have a lie-in at the weekend as well. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Lovely. Um, You mentioned earlier about your fitness as well, that you did a lot more when you were younger, maybe. But Mm. do you not have the time for that now, or you just kind of got out of the mood a bit? Well, I mean, I don't drink, so I think that helps a lot towards fitness. Um, Well done. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do that yet. No, that was a really conscious decision of mine. Um, Like, I've always had quite a low-level anxiety, and I think that I've always kind of managed that, like, I'm going to have a glass of wine, or three, or four, at the end of the day. And um, I just got to the point where I was like, hmm, this isn't great, You you shouldn't be doing this. So I kind of quit drinking completely. I was, a, I'm a definitely an all or nothing kind of person. I can't, if I, you know, if I go on a diet, it has, it's like super strict. Um, yeah. And like drinking, it was like, I can't just have one or two or one. Like it's, it has to be a big project for me. So I quit drinking. That's just made right. a massive difference to my life. I cannot put into words what a massive difference that's made in my life. It's been quite shocking how I've changed as a human being. I wasn't an alcoholic, I didn't drink a lot, but I am I feel far more intelligent now than I did before. Like, I feel like my cognitive processing is a lot better and so much more confident, so much more capable, so much more in control. It's really... Energised. Yeah, just a massive game change for me. So That's fun. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I do kind of, like, I'm, um, I walk, like probably five four five miles a day because i've got dogs and that's one of my big like loves like walking in the countryside um oh that sounds great periodically join the gym go for a few months and then not go um classic (laughs) yeah Yeah. and i want to get back into running but i've got my calf muscles are like not great from years of riding and i haven't got a lot of elasticity so i always end up getting injured whenever i run and stuff and i ride as well so um you get out and about then that's good so I do a lot of like general fitness, but I don't like go and pound it in the gym for an hour. No, I couldn't I just do find that it anymore. Humiliating. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's like a vanity environment anyway. I don't yeah. appreciate that. I, I do it for my own well-being, if anything. Uh, I don't want to do a bout of running. Absolutely. If I do do anything like that now, I'm like, I do it for my mental health, not for my physical health, really, because I think I'm a pretty healthy person, yeah. so... I haven't got any like major problems. Yeah, that's no, that's good. Um, you mentioned going out for walks with the dogs. Actually, it's a seamless plug. This into your community that you co-founded. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about the? Is it Agrispect that you call it? Yeah, Agrispect. Oh my, my one true love. There we go. Um, so I founded it with um a best friend of mine and another friend of mine. So Matthew Naylor, um, who's a a kind of big player within like the agricultural community. Um, and he and uh, another friend called Ben Ben Firth, um, who's a farmer, and we've grown up in rural communities. We're all like um, either children of farmers or we live in the country or whatever. And like I've seen, it's been such a struggle for. Um, they are both gay men, and it's been a struggle um, sort of for them at times within that community. Not so much Ben; he's he's younger, but definitely for Matthew and. And I think we just felt like there needed to be an open conversation within the kind of rural communities and agriculture and um, farming around that because there's still a lot of um, assumptions made, a lot of bigotry. It, you know, it's still quite a closed-off community as a farming. So, yeah, we founded that like two years ago um, and it just went crazy immediately. 
Really? And it okay. took us all by surprise. Yeah, we were like, so <laughs> before we knew it, we were like meeting Michael Gove and um, the department, um, like DEFRA, were signing the um, pledge that we made. Right. So we basically made a pledge that companies could sign that were in the agricultural sector that said that they, you know, support LGBTQ plus people, that they, um, yep. you know, actively seek diversity within their companies and stuff. Um, so then I had to take a step back from it for a year just because of work and other things going on. Um, and then I've kind of fully, fully back into it in the last year. And we're just now about to kind of do a big brand exercise, which guess, guess who'll be heading that up? I wonder who. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's just grown. It just exploded. It was just unbelievable how many gay people were in the community, how many, you know, by trans people just felt that they couldn't speak out and i think it's created a a safe space for those people now and it's just basically about going what's it going to become now Mm. because when we first started it we we thought it might like reach a few people but it's gone crazy we feel like we really need to have like a real distinct purpose behind us and tone of voice and yeah stuff now so and i think off the back of that we'll end up being a podcast Ooh, good work. um which i'll probably i probably won't be i probably won't be heading that up matthew probably will but i'll probably be editing <laughs> that um and and sort of yeah you know getting out we've done pride we did brighton pride and had a big uh, massey ferguson tractor with like the rainbow flag painted nice. all over it called Sass- sassy ferguson it was called so yeah just getting into more pride events getting into all those agricultural rural shows having stands there where people can come and yeah and we've had like people just say you made me you know you made it possible for me to come out and my parents were cool about it and I never thought they would be that must make you feel so good though I mean you don't do it for that reason but to kind of hear that story back yeah it's really good it's it's difficult well it's not difficult for me I'm always really aware that I'm not a gay person you know I'm a heterosexual person so I'm always trying to be really mindful of um, my privilege and like how the world is slightly different for me as a straight like white woman to some of the people that we deal with and stuff so it's, it's a really good learning curve for me and sort of understanding what other people go through and what their sexuality means to them and stuff it's again back into your career understanding people understanding what yeah. they think what they actually mean you know it's, yeah, it's, definitely. it's all kind of interlinked for you by the sound of it and also like I think understanding like the bigotry that is still there, definitely, I mean, like all bigotry, most bigotry comes from a place of fear and not understanding and otherness and kind of really understanding that and people being really frightened of change and they see like people who are comfortable with their sexuality as maybe a change from, you know, traditional values and stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of just understanding that um, and trying to be sympathetic even to people who have really, you know, views that you find abhorrent so mm. yeah it's, it's a very um i know it's a very sensitive difficult subject to broach but i'm glad you're doing it because it needs yeah, to be approached yeah yeah definitely but also i mean we all recognize our privilege and that we're you know we're growing up in rural communities most of the people are middle class they're from farming backgrounds um you know they're white they're they're male they can walk down the street safely it sounds like you're talking about my village. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, feel like I am in that bucket and I hate it because I don't want to be associated with it. But unfortunately, yeah, oh, I am. yeah, I think we all yeah. feel the same. I think a lot of younger people within those communities feel like that as well. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, so it's just about, you know, recognizing, I mean, we sit and have meetings, we had one the other night, and within that, we had to sit there and go, oh, God, we're making assumptions based on our, you know, privilege and stuff. And that's absolutely not going to be the case for someone who's from this background, that background. So we have to constantly check ourselves all the time, which is really yeah. good. It's good. And you've got the opportunity to bounce off each other as well and get up. That the others will reflect and go, yo, you're not, by the way. We need someone else to give us a bit of a reality check. Yeah, and I think actually being a woman in that scenario as well, even though I'm not a gay woman, but just being a woman um, very is good for like tampering out the testosterone that ends up appearing <laughs> in the room and stuff when we have meetings. And But they're so good at recognising that within themselves, both of the other co-founders as well. And we have like a lot of amazing people who support us and help us make decisions and stuff, so... Yeah, wow. it's really great. I'll be, well, I look forward to seeing that podcast come out. I'll be another Thank one for my you. subscriber list. Yeah, I think, oh, God knows when that'll be. That'll be next year sometime. We've got so, so many massive things going on. I've got another business to launch in my other work. So, yeah, it's, there's, oh, I don't know when that'll happen, but you've it will do at some point. Plenty on your books and you need to be yeah. aware of your time, even though you've got a little bit more flexibility with it daughter at uni yeah um on that i think we're close to the end of our time unfortunately and i could be yeah. all day with you talk quite frankly there's lots of stuff we could go through <laughs> yes yeah, we'll have to do another one if that's okay with you yeah definitely that would be great yeah been really an absolute pleasure to have you on um before we go anything how do people get a hold of you what's your favorite channels well i'm not on twitter that much every anymore as you probably realize by my tardy replies uh in dms but um yeah i i'm on twitter at liz underscore e the pretty terrible twitter twitter it's short it's good um (laughs) sure everyone moans about it normally like why have you got an underscore (laughs) and then um that's basically where i am i don't do facebook instagram is just photographs of the countryside and dogs so i wouldn't ever send people that way (laughs) it's pretty repetitive and yeah, and just um, on my website, elizabethelcoach.com. Cool. And we'll put links in the show notes so people can find it as well. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, the podcast and the communities, by the sound of it, let's get them. Yeah. So to... um, the community is at AgRespect, um, which is just AG Respect. Nice. Um, and um, AgRespect.com is the website. Um, my podcast is The Elastic Brand. Dot com. Yep. I'm really out of touch with the names of all of these things. And I think on Twitter, Elastic, I think it's at Elastic Brand Pod. It's so hard um, to get these Yeah. I know. I'm really terrible at that kind of thing. So it's that. fine. Um, we do have an Instagram page for the podcast, which I post on not very regularly, but I that's on my list of to-do things. So. Backlog. Yeah, and I think that's probably Elastic Brand Pod or something as well. But if you just search the Elastic Brand Podcast, then we come up. Because we love a pun. I love your pun. So, and I'm, it's easy to find you. yours, actually. Mine is really hard to find because there's other things that are very similar. So, uh, yeah, don't worry. I'll get them in the show notes for you as well. Thank you. So, yeah, thanks for coming on. And um, hopefully do it again soon, actually. So I, I like to recap if it's possible. Thanks so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks to Liz for joining me on this episode and for everyone who has listened along. As Liz mentioned, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram, plus her main website, elizabethelco.com, for all her contact details, clients and projects. We're also available on all the socials as Make Life Work Pod, plus we have a brand new website available over at makelifeworkpodcast.com. You can find all the podcast archives, show notes, 
and subscription details for iTunes, Spotify and YouTube. Plus, we'd also love to hear your thoughts of the show so far. Send us an email, hello at makelifeworkpodcast.com or reach out on the socials. And if you like, we'll send you back a sticker as a thank you. That's all from me. Tune in next time when I talk to another friend from around tech about how they balance work, life and side projects on the Make Life Work podcast. Podcast.